0: Hello and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host, and I am so freaking pumped that you are here. Today's conversation is epic. I really, truly have no words. I got teary eyed during the interview, I had my mind blown taking notes. Make sure that you give today's episode a strong listen and share it with everyone you know. I'm joined by my friend, my coach, my, my rock star sister queen friend, Melissa Dugolecki, and she is not only a multiple six and seven figure business earner with no paid ads and no fancy tricks, she actually teaches people how to do that, but she's also a bereaved mom and former classroom teacher, and she believes that anything is possible especially creating our dream lives, regardless of your circumstances. Today, Melissa is going to blow your mind talking about grief, talking about self-worth, talking about courage, resilience. We also throw a little bit of business stuff in there for all my business babes, but today's episode, I can't stress it enough, was, was a game changer for me. If you love this conversation, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram. You can see all of Melissa's links below in the show notes and really 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 give this one your all your full attention because i guarantee you are going to walk away with tons of nuggets of information inspiration mindset shifts and just hold on to your hats it's a good one enjoy welcome to the full out podcast where you'll get tools tips and inspiration to start living your most passionate expansive and abundant life I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Melissa, girlfriend, welcome to the Full Out Podcast. I'm so excited you are here.
1: Thanks for being Mm. here. So excited to be here. Thank you so much, Sam.
0: I am so excited because I feel like we could jam on so many different things Mm -hmm. because you are a incredible multifaceted woman. You've got so much life experience. You've done so many things in your life and Mm -hmm. I'm just super pumped to dive in. So I want to start by asking you, what does it mean to you to live your life full out?
1: Oof. For me, full out living is not being fearless. I don't believe in fearless, but having like the courage to lean into fear, to be holding your power within, like not giving it away to what other people are going to think or things outside of your control and just truly fully going for whatever it is that you want to create and desire. I don't think it has anything to do with a number in a bank account or number of cars in your driveway or what labels are in your closet or how many countries you visited because full out will look different for all of us. So I think it's like authentically honoring and pursuing like what lights you the fuck up.
0: Ugh. So good. So good. I mean, this is why we're friends. This yeah. right there, that answer done and done. We're done. Um, no, thank you so much for that. So can we talk about the courage to lean into fear? Yeah. How the fuck do you do that? Mm-hmm. Like I've got the thing coming up. I'm terrified. How do you find the courage?
1: So for me, and well, we're just going to go right in. Okay. I just going to go right. And for me, I lived my life controlled by fear more than I ever realized. Um, I was the rule follower, and then I realized like my authentic self is like the rule breaker, right? But I grew up in, you know, a really nice suburban town, you know, well-known family. I was four-year class president, I was a collegiate athlete, I was homecoming queen, like. You know, you and Nate, my boyfriend was quarterback of the football team, like you name it. And I was checking the boxes, right? And it was really interesting because even though I was quote unquote successful, there were things that didn't feel in alignment. Um, so I went to pursue corporate after college because I felt like I should and landed a dream job, but I was very much out of alignment and I went back into education. Long story short, fast forward. And in 2014, I had my daughter Layden and she was diagnosed with a heart condition, um, prior to being birthed. So fear. Okay. So practicing, leaning in, and then literally from the night she was born to the night she died, which she was four months old. So it was about, you know, 120 nights, 99 of those 120 nights, we were in the hospital. So talk about fear, fear, fear. And so where I actually learned to lean into fear, oh, I'm getting, like emotional, but I'll never forget. It was like this day when like, it became very clear, like Layden wasn't quote unquote supposed to die. She was healthy. Most of our time in the hospital, she was healthy. It wasn't until the very end, um, but it became very clear that like, she might not live. And I remember I had this feeling of like, do I pull away? Like, Do I protect my heart? Do I pull away like the greatest love I know is likely going to die? And like, do I just stop loving her now? And of course I didn't choose that, but that was when I actually really learned how much of my life was controlled by fear. Because even though I was doing all the things, I was doing it out of fear, fear of not being accepted, fear of not being worthy, fear of not being validated, fear of doing something wrong. And in that moment, it was like, do I lean out? And instead, I chose to lean in. And I loved her harder. And I pressed her face like up against mine every chance I got. And I recorded myself reading her book after book after book to be by her head so she didn't just hear the hospital beeps and I went crazy to get the medical staff team to lower the lights. And I hung her pictures everywhere in the room to show the doctors her when she was healthy to be like, this is who you are treating. Not that sick body. Like this is the baby you are treating. And I went full out, all in on fighting for my daughter and she died. And I think that was a really humbling thing is you can still go all in, full out on something and not get the result that you want. But when I look back on my daughter's life and her loss, knowing that I played full out and went all in, even though she didn't live, brings me so much, trying to find the word, brings me so much, I guess, relief and comfort in navigating my grief journey and that I did everything I could possibly do. And I just didn't get the result that I wanted.
0: Oh, Melissa, I'm already tearing up over here. I'm already emotional. Thank you, number one, for letting us into this beautiful and I'm sure, incredibly painful experience in your life. Thank you for diving right in. And what a beautiful and painful lesson. Yeah, like I, I absolutely cannot imagine what you experienced. And I also know that it's it completely shifted the trajectory of your life. So, are you open to sharing what, what your grief journey looks like?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I just, I want to acknowledge for anybody listening, grief to me isn't just about the death of someone's life. And I began studying grief and this is where I became aware of it. Grief can happen on a daily basis, right? Grieving the loss of the version you were, grieving the future you envisioned, grieving a relationship, grieving a former house you lived in, a pet, an empty nest, like grief is everywhere. It's in our everyday. Now, the loss of a life is the most intense manifestation of grief, right? Um, And within that, the loss of a child, which is an out of order death, brings a whole other level of intensity. But grief exists every day for all of us. And so what I will say is in my grief journey, kind of just to go back to your question before I answer this, like what allows me to go forward now and live pretty courageously is like, if I could survive the loss of my daughter, I can fucking figure anything out. I can figure anything out. And so when you are all, all you are you are listening, everyone listening, as you are risking, if you let go of the attachment to outcome and know that it's just strengthening you no matter what. Because anything that you navigate through is only going to allow you to be that much stronger to risk harder and risk harder and risk harder and risk harder. And And a lot of risks fall in our favor. Not all, but a lot of them do. So my grief journey, Sam, at first I was like resistant to it. Like I didn't want to take ownership of it. Who wants to take ownership of their grief journey? Right? The world just took my daughter from me right? The story I was telling myself was like, fuck you universe. Right? Or what did I do to deserve this? What's wrong with me? And I had this moment where I was like literally walking in Boston, Massachusetts, where I lived at the time. And I had this moment, I I swear it was like divine intervention. And it just came through me. And it was like, Melissa, you have been walking around as if you were entitled to a healthy child you weren't entitled to anything. You're worthy of a healthy child. You can desire one, you can want one. You can be sad that your child wasn't healthy but you weren't entitled to anything. And I realized at that moment that I spent most of my life feeling entitled to things and not worthy of them. (laughs) But it's actually the opposite. We're worthy of everything and entitled to nothing. So I began taking full ownership of my grief journey. I hired a grief coach. I went to multiple bereaved parent groups. I traveled outside of the country to see a speaker. I worked with, um, you know, people in the spiritual space. I read books and I just began studying grief and healing. Mm.
0: Entitlement versus worthiness. Yeah. Who? I don't think I've ever heard it put in, in that way. Can you dive a little bit deeper into, into this idea of entitlement versus worthiness?
1: Yeah. Okay. This, this is like when I honestly do believe that this is the main message I am here to spread. I really do believe that in my grief journey, this is the message I'm meant to spread. We lack worthiness as a society, especially women. Okay. And I can't speak to men, so I can't say, you know, and I'm not even gender specific, masculine, feminine, you know, we're not going to get into that in this episode, but, um, it's not even about that, but I I have mostly worked with women, right? As have you, and I have found a common thread is this lack of worthiness. I have to be a certain number on the scale to be worthy, or a number in the bank account, or a number of Instagram followers, or a certain certification, or degree, or a response or validation from X, Y, or Z. These are the things that will make me worthy, right? But the truth is, none of that shit makes us worthy. We are innately worthy just for our very beingness. On the flip side, a lot of us walk around like we're entitled to things without even realizing it. Simple example, we get annoyed when we're in traffic, as if we're entitled to be living in major cities of the United States with access to everything, wherever you're living in Mexico, right? But as if we're just, we can live in these cities with major access to everything the way that we want it, but there's not gonna be traffic, right? And we get in the cars and we're like, ah, fuck this. Or like, it's our fault that we didn't plan for the fact that there could be traffic. And now we're running late and we're anxious, so we're annoyed, right? Just like a little one, like that's entitlement, right? Um, waiting in line, like a lot of it comes to patience, but like waiting in line for you know, if someone takes a little while with their order, like we're entitled to everything, just be so quick on our schedule, right? We're entitled to people doing holidays the way we want them to do it because that's the tradition and that's the way it's always been, right? We get shocked when things don't go our way. Being shocked when things don't go your way is entitlement. It is this underlying energy of I'm entitled to having things go my way. Now, can you want it? Can you declare it? Can you whatever? Yeah. Right? Things happen in my life because I declare it. And that's just how I live my life. But I do not live from a place of entitlement. I live from a place of possibility and gratitude.
0: Oh, mic drop. That was so good. That was so good. Yeah. Wow. So... Can you talk a little bit more about the linear versus non-linear idea of grief? Like, I know we hear, oh, grief isn't linear. What do you say to someone that is moving through grief, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's one of those living deaths, like the loss of a job or the loss of the future that you thought you were going to have? Can we talk about that? Because everyone, not everyone. I'm going to say a lot of the literature online is like, these are the stages of grief. What do you, what do you believe about that?
1: Well, my book that is coming out is going to be breaking down these misbeliefs. Um, God, I could go on to this. Like, yes. So I am publishing a book on this and this is what I speak a lot about my podcast. But what I want you all to understand is that in grief, It's just a human experience that is a very intense level of feeling and experiencing. So I can't possibly say that the way you experience life, Sam, is the way I experience life, is the way that one listener or another listener or another listener here is experiencing life. So therefore, I cannot say that we will all experience grief the same way. So grief is a very authentic experience. grief doesn't typically create something new within us it pulls it to the surface so if you are if you tend to have anger within you or your default can be anger you're going to feel anger much more intensely quickly in your grief journey if it tends to be withdrawing or anxiety or for me writing and speaking you're going to process your grief much more intensely in those ways of being that are already within you, the way that you navigate. Like we don't create something new in grief. We bring what's in us up to the surface. So for me, writing and speaking was a huge part of my healing. I started writing a blog. I started doing email campaigns and I launched a podcast. That would not be healing for certain other people. That was not healing for my daughter's father, right? Healing for him was like chopping wood, alone time, like doing other things, right? Um, And so there's no right or wrong. And so this is very important in our grief journey, just like our life journey. We let go of the should, we let go of comparison, we let go of right or wrong, and we just allow our experience to unfold. Um, In terms of the linear, it doesn't work like that. We want to put a bow on it and be like, okay, first you're going to go through here, check. And then you're going to go through here, check. It feeds our desire of control, our desire to know when will this get better? It's like the invisible one-year mark. Like, oh, after one year, it's better. Like, I'm sorry, day 366, I'm not missing my daughter any fucking less than day 365. The only difference is that on day 366, I have lived that day already, so I know I can live it again. That is the only difference, right? That first Christmas, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. The second one, I have confidence I can make it through because I made it through the first. That's the only thing that gets easier, but the pain and the grief does not go away because we're at day 400 versus 200. It just doesn't.
0: Ooh, that one hit me that one hit me hard. I'm moving into a season of holidays where, um, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to performing on TV. And I remember last year, the first experience of that, of, of seeing my friends on TV and seeing my friends do these things that I had once done. Um, and that I was grieving deeply. It was very, very tough. And moving into this season, I still feel the feelings, but I, I do have that sense of like, okay, I'm going to be all right. And you just put it into words, what I was experiencing. It's, it's knowing that I can handle this and, and continuing to move forward. Yep. Do you feel like there's like a, a time that people are like, well, I'm going to wait till I'm healed to do something. I'm going to wait till I'm over this grief. Did you ever feel that expectation?
1: Yeah. All the time. Like there is a cooling off period. And like, after I lost my daughter, you know, I was coached to not make any major decisions in my life for a few months, right? Um, that's given the intensity of it though, right? I mean, losing your child, 99 nights in the hospital, I was in some serious trauma, right? But I think there's this fake, fake finish line again, like there's no end to grief. So if I'm waiting until I'm like, I'm still healing. So if I was waiting until I was healed to then move forward in my business or move forward in my dreams or my relationships, like I'd still be waiting, right? If I was waiting to be happy again until things got better, I would still be waiting because my daughter is still gone. It is not better. It is not okay with me. There will never be a part of me that says it's okay that my daughter is not here. It's not. I want her fucking here. So, so often I see this same, whether in grief or in life, where, well, I'm going to wait until it's more convenient, or I'm going to wait until I feel better, or I'm going to wait until I have more clarity, or I'm going to wait until this. And these are ways that we not only lie to ourselves, but we are actually not even living the fucking life that we have right in front of us. And I think that's something I learned from my daughter, like, thought, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, when am I going to start living and stop going through the motions, right? Huge difference, Sam, between living and going through the motions of life. We can all check off the motions of life, but like, how are we really living?
0: Mm. Mm. Are you open to sharing how you honor Layden's life?
1: Oh my gosh, of course. Um, So yeah, you know, I just actually shared this on social media last night, but I'd written something about how my love for her only grows. And I've realized that love isn't in my mind, it's in my heart, it's in my soul. Because it's the only way that it could grow, because my soul is the only part that is going to go with me, right? When my body no longer functions here. Um, And my soul is still connected to my daughters. Um, And so, you know, what I try and do to honor her life is every single day living my vision, which is to empower people into their possibility. Because as a bereaved mom who didn't want to live, truly didn't want to live, like was looking up ways to end my life, right? Right. Who was $100,000 in debt, who felt intense shame, intense shame. I mean, my one job was to keep my daughter safe. And I lived for so long in the story of you created an unhealthy child and then you couldn't keep her safe, right? So I have all these things. And so for me to now be financially free, to be running my business, to be traveling the world, to be living in Mexico, right? And create this life in just a short period of time, I am so committed to showing everybody their possibilities. So, you know, that's one way I do it. Um, Other ways I've done it, um, I started my podcast, I'm writing my book. Um, I was on the board of directors for the Nex Society, which is the disease in which my daughter passed of, necrotizing enterocolitis. Um, say that 10 times fast, right? I ran the the Boston Marathon for Boston Children's Hospital for five years um, and raised a lot of money for them. But mostly, you know, I find it less and less to be in the big production things, such as running the marathon or being on the board of directors, like that was just as much for my healing as it was for me living her legacy. And now it's just a very subtle way of being that I just carry. Like, how am I being in a way that's making my daughter proud? Like, how am I being in a way that honors what she taught because she taught so many lessons and how how am I honoring that every day with every person I encounter so they have the opportunity to learn that? Yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So you were a hundred k in debt, yeah. And then you went through some life, yeah. and you built multiple six and seven figure businesses. Like, what? How did you do it?
1: <laughs> um, you know, I quieted down a bit and really, um, I went through a period where I was like just remained very grounded and settled. And I did two things. I invested what I needed. I invested in a coach. I was a hundred thousand dollars in debt and I invested $6,000 in the three month mastermind. This was 2017, something like that. And I, if I could have gotten a refund, I would have taken it. Um, Something in my soul knew to do it, but my mind was scared. I was so afraid for so long. I was going to be living in my parents' basement. Like that was like the story I was telling myself. But then I also figured it out. I was teaching yoga. I started working a front desk at a gym, got access to the gym for free. I was life coaching, mindset coaching. Like I worked my butt off. Um, And not only did I work my butt off on paying my bills while I built my business, I really began studying business and how to build it online. I had to shift my mindset from you either care about people or you care about business or money, like that was a big one for me as a teacher, as somebody who just wanted to help people. But then I had to ask myself, seriously, how many fucking people can you help when you're $100,000 in debt and in pain? Not a whole lot. So I have coached over 1,200 people, but that is only from after I took care of myself and invested in myself, because it was only then that I could actually give them something of value. So, yeah, I mean, I began first just coaching mindset, um, neuro-linguistic programming, um, holistic health, and then I launched a business partnership that incorporated mindset with fitness and nutrition, and then began consulting people on how to build their coaching business, and then began doing that full-time. So that's been kind of my trajectory.
0: I love this. So my friends listening. Wherever you are right now, it doesn't matter whether you are moving through massive grief, whether you are a hundred thousand dollars in debt, whether you haven't gotten out of bed in a week, you literally have the power today to change the trajectory of your life. And then Melissa, I just feel like you are a walking example of moving through something that I just, no one should have to go through and, and really being a, a, a walking yes, like a yes to life. And mm. I, I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you had to do personally and the stuff that you had to move through in order to be the woman that you are today.
1: Mm. Thank you.
0: I mean, you know, many people go through things behind closed doors that no one ever knows about. And so for you to move through this and then share it and be that gift and be that light for other people, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And I'm so lucky to know you and be coached by you. So thank you. uh
1: Well, I feel the same way. I'm so glad that, you know, our choice into doing the work that we've each done and both of us investing in ourselves and our growth in different ways is what ultimately connected us. Yeah. Right. It's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. time I've invested, it's not just what I've learned. It's the people I've met. That's been amazing
0: yeah and for you guys listening melissa and i met in a transformational weekend um a a women's weekend and we both had some powerful um amusing experiences happen where we were both very messy we did not care what people were gonna think we were in our process we were committed to our own healing through that weekend and um yeah yeah And, and we came together yeah And that's that is the beauty of it. Blacked
1: out that weekend.
0: (laughs) I blacked out too. The same time where you blacked out, I blacked out too. Yeah. But truly the power, the power of investing in yourself. Yes, it's not even, it's not even just for the things that you were going to emotionally, spiritually, personally work through, but it's it's being in the proximity of other people. It's being connected to other people that are committed to doing the work too. And I and I know so many women struggle with that, with that. They're like my partner, they don't do personal development or my family, they don't get it. Or my friends, they're, they're sitting around talking about gossip or they're negative. And like, I know there's something more for me. Get into the room, you guys get into the room where other people are on the same path. You don't have to have the same goals, but as long as we're on the same path with the same vision of living a life that, that you want to live. Um, I, I feel like it's so, so, so important. We can't say it enough.
1: No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that changed my life. Choosing me and my worthiness and choosing to be around other people doing the same changed my life. Mm-hmm. And those stories of I can figure this out on my own or I can do this on my own like those are all just the ego and the fear and 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 all of that and like it's like you collapse time when you say not only am I worth that but other people around me cuz you can feel energetically if somebody's contracting you or expanding you. And so listeners can't see me right now moving my body, but truly tune in, just notice like, where do you contract and like your shoulders kind of hunch or you like pull yourself in, or you stuff your voice down and where do you expand? And like that right there will be enough feedback. If you do that for the next 36 hours to tell you some shifts that you get to make in your life.
0: Mm, Totally. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. Do you, do you still get nervous when you invest? In yourself or in your business
1: less nervous and yes and the truth is actually my last investment in my coach was my scariest because it was my biggest and so like my investments of like what i was paying to be the group program for like a month is like close to basically what i pay for one-on-one coach for each month right and so i mean what i was paying for three months right and so i think i just i just keep myself on my edge because if I don't feel it when I'm investing, I'm not going to transform. Like, I'm just not, I'm sorry. Like, like I'm just not, but if I feel it and I'm like, oh, well, I got some skin in the game. I am showing up and I'm not just showing up to our meetings. I'm showing up for myself every day of my life because I've invested in it.
0: I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't. I, I think it gets easier in some way, but it's still... Oh, like being on the edge, that's a perfect way to put into, into words, that feeling. Um, and that, I feel like that's the, that's actually the green light. It's like, okay, this is, this is actually where I'm supposed to be. If I am getting this reaction in my body of like, fuck, yes, I need to do this. But like, oh God, I don't know. Like yeah. to me, that's like, you're on the right track, girl.
1: hundred percent,
0: hundred percent. I can't tell you how many times I've bought an online course that was like, oh, sure. I mean, it's affordable. I'll get this. And then I've never even opened it same, same. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Melissa, you're also an incredible, incredible, incredible business coach. And I know that we are running a little bit out of time, but I feel like we got to get some of your magic in here. Maybe we need to do another podcast, but we do have a lot of women in business, women that have network marketing companies or side hustles that are listening. And I'm curious, do you have any like top business advice, that you would give, I know it's you know very broad, but is there anything that you're like, ooh, if I could tell an entrepreneur something, it would be this.
1: Ooh, all right, I'm gonna try and be concise, and maybe we can do another, we can do another episode of part two or something yeah. as I invite myself back on your podcast, right? Um, no, I mean a few things. One is a marketing strategy is not a business plan, period. Instagram followers posts up online is not a business strategy. Business strategy includes all five aspects of the business, product, operations, marketing, part of it, sales, and finance. Number one misunderstood thing. A lot of people will tell you out there that getting more followers or getting this or getting like, is a business strategy? Well, yeah, because they're in marketing. Okay. But it is not. That's how I've built six and seven figure businesses with less than 5,000 followers. Okay. eight phase of the client experience is a non-negotiable. If you want to build your business organically online, um, having a roadmap monthly and quarterly for the five aspects of your business tiered offers, which I don't want to get too like all over the place, but think parking lot versus skyscraper parking lot, like all different offers in different areas, same price point, stagnant. Skyscraper is going to be like leveled. No one can see me moving my hands right now, but you, okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, and sales cycles, like those are just like the big things that pop up offhand. hand. Um, systems and processes, huge if you wanna scale, you know, your operations dialed in. And there's a big difference between working in the business and on the business, huge. And working in it is keeping it afloat and kind of wondering where things are gonna come from and the business won't survive without you. Working on the business is like, like I went to Peru for four weeks and my business still ran. Right, I didn't open my laptop for over three of those weeks. And my business ran totally fine. So now it took me a couple of years to get to that, but that's what you want to build towards. Um, and I think the number one misconception I see is a marketing plan is a business strategy, and they are not the same.
0: Mm, yeah, that was gold. That was gold when when you started supporting me in that. Amazing. Mm. If you could, if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would you tell
1: them? You can't fuck it up.
0: <laughs>
1: I love <laughs> it. You can't fuck it up. I spent so much of my life afraid to quote unquote, fuck it up. Um, and I think after losing my daughter late in, when I quote, when it was quote unquote fucked up, I realized like, you just, you can't fuck up this game of life. Play big, play loud, like ignore the word should it's anything, we should move the, so far away from it. And, mm-hmm. um, and you're worth investing in. Yeah. yeah.
0: What are you most excited for right now?
1: Oh, I just feel like I'm in a rebirth. Um, realigned a lot in my business, as you know. Um, so I'm really excited to see what comes from my My own business that I'm doing right now, which is going to include some events. It's going to, you know, it's my one-on-one work and some events and my podcast and the book coming. It'll be the first time me playing this boldly in my own work, right? I've primarily been business partnership, business partnership as my dominant. And while I still am in business partnership, um, I'm playing really big and bold in my individual work. And that feels really good. What what did you need to overcome in
0: order to play this big and to be that bold version of you?
1: Ooh, a lot of, a lot of work. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of work and recognizing and where I was stopping myself. I think the first thing was becoming aware of where I was stopping myself and I had unhealed wounds of of shrinking myself because I didn't want to be too much. I didn't want to intimidate others. I didn't want to trigger somebody. If I was too much, I would trigger someone. And therefore I would be unworthy of love. And it was bringing awareness to how this was showing up in my life with the support of coaches and mentors that allowed me to be like, okay, no more. Like my turn, my turn. Like I owe it to myself, you know, I owe it to myself. And I think there is a factor of it can feel safe to shrink, not just for other people, but for yourself. Right. And like, do I really want to like, when I got clear in my vision and goals, my vision cannot live within my comfort zone. It will not come alive in that. So I became really committed to getting uncomfortable and playing bolder and just one conversation at a time. And I still get all weird after it. And I still call for coaching after it, right? And I still get the knots in my stomach after it, but it goes away much quicker. And my bounce back rate is much quicker. And the ROI every time I risk and play bigger is much greater.
0: Hmm. Amen. Sister. (laughs) Amen. Sister. I really do think we need to do an episode number two, but until then, where can people find you?
1: Okay. You can find me on Instagram. I kind of love stories. Okay. Forewarning. Melissa Dugalecki uh, name will be in the show notes, but it's really Melissa and then D L U G. I will probably pop up for you after that as I'm connected to Sam. You can also find me at melissadugalecki.com. And my podcast is grief and guts.
0: I have one last question for you. If you are on an elevator, you're only going like from zero to 11 floor 11. Okay. So it's short.
1: God, I know. And I get
0: into the elevator with you and I'm like, Melissa, how do I live my life full out? What do you tell me?
1: Yeah. Honestly, I would tell you to invest in someone who can pull you higher because we can't do it on our own. We just can't, but that would be my number one thing because that person is going to get you through every blockage that is stopping you. Right. Mm.
0: I have had a lot of people on this podcast and I have never heard that response. Yeah. And I think that is just a beautiful gift. Mm. Thank you for sharing that with us. Melissa, you're amazing. Thanks for being here.
1: Mm, So honored to be here. Thank you for creating this community and this space. And your energy is one in which I'm just like, I love being, I love playing this game of life with you. I'm so proud of everything that you've created and inspired by everything you're creating. And just honored to be walking this path with you.
0: Mm, Thanks girl. And you guys, if you are loving this podcast, if there's someone in your life that needs it, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag both of us. Melissa's Instagram is going to be in the show notes so you can find it there and make sure you share it with a friend. Thank you so much for being here. See you guys next time. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word.